Hello and welcome to the Bears, Birds, and Brews podcast. This is a show about Chicago Bears, the Atlanta Falcons, and craft beer. My name is Asa Lakani. My co-host is... Nabil Lalani. And on today's episode, Nabil is doing the whole 30 still. Yep. yep. We're, at, we're at half 15 right now. Yep, whole 15. Yeah, whole 15. How's that going? Not bad. I'm alive. Good. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, clearly because we're on air. So don't and don't die now because I'm. This is gonna be really awkward if you do like while we're doing this. But then, oh shit, there he goes. Well, in that case, Nabil, I got something else that'll help you keep your life because I'm drinking a beverage today, and uh, you might have heard of this one before. It's called water. You know? mm, nice. Well, I'm having that too. Water cup. Cheers to your water, man. Salud. And uh, since the last time we talked to y'all. The Super Bowl matchup has been set. Tom Brady retired. Then he didn't retire, and now he re- actually retired, right? Uh, the Bears hired the head coach. We're going we're gonna to go there first, so just letting y'all know that's coming up real soon. They didn't hire Mike Kafka, but Nabil will tell you who they did hire. And uh, <laughs> the NFC North is – there's some there's some coaching head, – head coaching movement, but some, some administrative movement in the NFC North will tell you all about that. And uh, and then yeah, we'll tell you what happened in last weekend's games. Um, Nabil, you got anything to say before we get started? Um, cheers to water. Cheers to water. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Got to take another sip. So y'all know we're hydrated. You know. Yeah. And, uh, Be- beer is like ninety-eight percent water, so we're basically drinking. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're just missing the yeast and the sugar right now. Slash. And, and a couple of other things, but yeah. Yeah, right. Anyway, we'll get there. But uh, first things first, we got we to gotta talk about the new Bears head coach. So in the bill, we got a yes. GM hired. And then what happened? Yeah, so um, the Bears hired GM Ryan Poles last week. We did uh, talk about that. And then shortly after um, we finished our episode, I think maybe a day after, they hired um, one Matt Eberflus. Um, as we talked about last week, it was between supposedly Dan Quinn Jim, uh, not Jim Mercy, um, Jim Caldwell and Matt Eberflus, uh, Matt Eberflus being the Colts defensive coordinator and the Bears ended up hiring him. Uh, Matt Eberflus, you know, he's been the Colts uh, DC for a few years now since Frank Reich started over there. He was actually brought over to Indy from Josh McDaniels before he decided to like leave Indy at the altar. And Chris Ballard thought so much of Matt Eberflus. He's like, hey, uh, Frank, just give him a shot. And, um, you know, and Eberflus did well. Um, you know, they never had like a top, top tier defense, but their defense was always very good. Uh, very bend, don't break defense. And uh, well, that's coming over to Chicago now. And he's actually being able to bring a lot of his staff from Indy over um, his um Matt Eberflus' linebackers coach, I mean, sorry, safeties coach is actually coming over as a defensive coordinator. I think it's Allen, Allen Williams, I, I believe. Um, and the most important hire for Matt Eberflus is actually going to be his OC, which we got clarification on this uh, past Sunday. There was a lot of rumors going around. And um, I personally wanted Mike Kafka, but that didn't happen. Uh, but we ended up getting Luke Getze, the quarterback's coach from the Packers. So Luke Getze will be the Bears offensive coordinator. There is still a lot of question on who our quarterback's coach is going to be. Uh, yesterday, we actually did have Joe Brady in the in the um, 
in the off, I'm sorry, at House Hall wow. um, interviewing for the quarterbacks coach, but he ended up taking the QB coach in Buffalo instead. And I would think that's because he may think that's a better shot of him calling plays sooner than Chicago. Maybe he sees Ken Dorsey, the um, new OC in Buffalo, who may end up getting either a head coaching job, you know, next year. And he may think that'd be a better option for him to become a, you know, an OC in a year and a half, in a year rather than wait out what happens with Luke Getty, Josh, um, Justin Fields and see where that goes. Um, but yeah, the Bears quarterback coach is still, you know, still trying to figure that out, but the OC has been set, um, you know, they had their opening press conference, you know, they're supposed to be a team that's very, that's going to be very fast and very tough. Uh, looks like Ryan Poles wants to build from the O-line, which is very promising for Justin Fields, uh, especially with the amount of he used to play, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So well, Ryan Poles he, he was, gets uh, yeah, Ryan Poles was a uh, left guard for Matt Ryan and his roommate at Boston College. And um, the Bears also got an, the first assistant GM in Chicago Bears history. They got him from Philly. They got Ian Cunningham who came over and is now our assistant GM. And he's also a former offensive lineman. So now we got two offensive linemen basically running the Chicago Bears. What was that? What was that of Chicago Bears history? The first GM of color? Is that what you said? Well, Ryan Poles is the first GM of color, but the first assistant GM, the Bears oh, hired. Okay. There's never been an assistant GM. Oh, okay. All right. I just wanted to clarify that. And we'll talk about the person of color thing soon too. Uh, teams are coming up, but I did want to say this is from the Chicago Sun Times. I was looking at Matt Eberflus, who did spend some of his early career at the University of Missouri in the Bell. So, oh, interesting. Yeah, so there's some investment there that I that I have, but also uh, from the Sun Times, it says over Eberflus's ten seasons, uh, I guess is what defensive coordinator, yes, defensive coordinator Eberflus's, uh, you know, four seasons allowed the ten fewest points had the second most takeaways and yielded the third fewest yards per carry. Once again, that's the 10th fewest points, the second most takeaways and the third fewest yards per carry. And I mean, you could argue that his talent in Chicago defensively is going to be better than what he had in Indy. Maybe at, at some positions. Yeah. I feel like Indy may have a better secondary bear secondary is horrible, but like in terms of, linebacker I think it's pretty I might be apples to apples with Darius Leonard and Roquan Smith you know I think Roquan Smith's better but Darius Leonard is is amazing uh pass rush wise you know he may have an advantage especially moving to a 4-3 where Robert Quinn is actually more comfortable than a 3-4 and him getting 18 sacks in a 3-4 uh kind of going to a 4-3 let's see what he does with that and then Cleo Mack you know when he was with Oakland you know he 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 was an all pro at linebacker and at defensive end. So him moving to a four, three should be pretty good for a Cleo Mack as well. Um, so coming in, he already has his two defensive ends already set up and ready to go. Um, there is going to be some roster turnover though. I'm assuming, um, you know, depending on what Ryan Polis sees as a long-term outlook, maybe you are going to look, you know, entertain the possibility of trading a Robert Quinn, trading a Khalil Mack just to get some draft capital back and start rebuilding the team on the offensive side. 
Um, you know, we're most likely going to lose Allen Robinson. Most probably, I feel like at this point, we're going to lose James Daniels and just rebuild that O-line, you know, from the draft and free agency. So we're going to have to see what happens over there. So there's going to be a lot. I think there's going to be a good amount of roster turnover happening this year. Um, one surprise player that I don't know what's going to happen with is um, Eddie Jackson. He has a pretty big cap hit coming up. Um, and he hasn't been the Eddie Jackson that got that contract that he got a few years ago. So we got to kind of see what happens with Eddie Jackson and, you know, how they value not only the position, but the player. Right. Um, well, and I mean, at least the track record shows that the secondary can benefit from even closest presence. And then, like you said, up front, he's got plenty to work with. And then strategically, what do the Bears do, right? Because you do have draft capital potential, you obviously got your franchise quarterback. So you do, you have a project here. You're not in a win now situation. You're in a project situation where like two to three years from now is when the bears should be like, Oh shit, the bears. I mean, maybe next year. Right. But this is going to be like a second year, first year with the new head coach, which for a young quarterback isn't as bad, but anyway, like two to three years from now is when the bears are really going to be like, all right, this is why we made these moves that we did, you know, after firing Matt Nagy, Brian Pace rebuilding quote unquote. Um, so you got, you got that going in the works elsewhere in the NFC North. We'll just talk about it real fast because you say, again, Luke Getze, the, you know, had to come over as your offensive coordinator, work with one Aaron Rodgers. You might've heard of him like you might've heard of water, uh, shout out to those of you hydrate and take another sip, but also in the NFC North, uh, Nathaniel Hackett, Bear, uh, Packers offensive coordinator went to the Denver Broncos. Is it a play to get Aaron Rodgers? Because I don't think that's a great idea on Denver's behalf. That's strategic. Why not? You do. Why not? Yeah. I just don't know that Denver has what Aaron Rodgers needs to get it done. Like I would think San Francisco. Uh, just like offensively, where they have like Jerry Judy, uh, Noah Fant. Like, I don't understand. They, they have a lot of weapons. I, they, they just don't have a quarterback. I mean, Jerry Judy looks like he's going to take another step. Noah Fant, if he if Noah Fant had a decent quarterback, he would probably be a top 10 tight end. Um, I feel like Cortland Sutton is a very underrated wide receiver. I feel like he's oh, a I'm not saying threat. he's bad, but he's not, he's not Devontae Adams. He's not Aaron Jones. Well, not, uh, who's the well other? I mean, how many, how many Devontae Adams are there really? And, and let me ask you this, like how much of Devontae Adams is Aaron, is Aaron Rodgers? Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing about Aaron Rodgers, ironically enough. Devontae Adams is probably top five receiver in the NFL, if not the best. Yeah. The season, yeah, but 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 what would Devonta Adams be a top five wide receiver if Mitch Trubisky was throwing the ball? He's pretty damn good, dude. I mean, he's pretty damn good. Uh, I mean, I'm just asking. I mean, just like you know, there is a so there is a plus he gets by Aaron Rodgers being his quarterback. I do think Aaron Rodgers going to Denver would elevate Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, Cortland Sutton, and well, the rest of the receiving core. Again, again, so that's the point that I'm trying to make, essentially, is that, dude, you could put Aaron Rodgers on any team in the NFL, and it's instantly going to get better. The players are going to be – like, look at what happened to Tampa. They said, yeah, we were kind of okay with Winston catching 30 touchdowns. Tom Brady comes in, and we win a Super Bowl. I mean, like, it's that sort of talent when you talk about Aaron Rodgers. He hasn't, doesn't have the resume to prove it. But in terms of Aaron Rodgers, like any MVP in any sport – you make the guys around you better. Like, because you can say something to the point of like, look at what Matt Stafford did for Odell Beckham. I mean, Odell Beckham was really good 
Then he went to Cleveland, not so good. And now he has a legitimate quarterback. So a lot of players are going to be good with a good quarterback, especially one who can help you compete. So, like, I think oh. Aaron Rodgers could go anywhere, not just Denver. Defensively, what does Denver have? They don't have Von Miller anymore. They got Bradley Chubb. I mean, Denver's defense is still fine. I'm not, I'm not worried about Denver's defense. So, um, I, I don't know. Offensively, I think Denver will be fine if they have an Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, I don't think Denver the, – the biggest weakness on Denver's offense is their quarterback. I mean, their offensive line is okay. Their running game picked up with Javante Williams later on in the season. They have a good tight end who just needs a good quarterback. Uh, they have – depth at wide receiver and you know the other thing is like there's they also have a lot of salary cap room there's nothing stopping denver from getting aaron Rodgers and going after and trying to sign Devontae adams going to try and sign alan robinson going and try to sign a chris godwin so i don't i think denver is an ideal spot for aaron Rodgers. the only the only downside for aaron Rodgers of going to denver would be the fact that he's going into a division with two amazing quarterbacks already there and maybe and and a third not so bad quarterback and you're talking about obviously justin herbert patrick mahomes and Derek carr yeah right yeah and so uh and the question mark on Derek carr because he may or may not be in whatever vegas anymore because we don't yeah. know who their head coach is going to be but you got Herbert and Patrick Mahomes, which again, for Denver and Aaron Rodgers, I almost think like that's not ideal. But then again, if you want to be the if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. So why not play him two, three times? I think year? this is like the eighth episode in a row where you've said that statement. Yeah, well, it's championship season. And I will also say, I mean, you you make some valid points about Denver. I get my thing is I think you can put Aaron Rodgers on any team that needs a quarterback and they're even in position to compete will be good because san francisco obviously came up short we'll talk about that in a minute so the the other thing is the the rumor most likely the rumor is that green bay if they're going to trade rogers they're not going to trade him to the nfc they're going to trade him to the afc Mm -hmm. and that has been a logical fit that everyone's been putting together since last year aaron Rodgers has been rumored to go to denver since last year so him going there now makes sense Right. Well, and then so then we bring it back to the head coaching thing because Nathaniel Hackett was his offensive coordinator, now the head coach. So they're they're clearly making a pay to pull Aaron Rodgers there because why wouldn't he go play with a guy he's been very successful with? And then obviously you got Mr. John Elway in the front office who's won two Super Bowls and has a lot to do with a, a lot of people's success. So uh, very interesting play there. But um, since we're kind of going over on time, we'll just say that uh, Brian Flores has the thing out. I mean, I think like Nathaniel Hackett, you can see why he got hired. Matt Eberflus, you can kind of see why he got hired. Uh, but then again, the Bears hired a minority GM. So like, did you know, they got that part taken care of. Minnesota might get Jim Harbaugh. Byron Leftwich is available, not going anywhere. Uh, Brian Flores. And again, this is Brian Flores we're talking about, not Brian Dabble that Bill Belichick was talking Dayball who Bill Belichick was talking about somewhere back there behind that river, I'm sure. Or he's like up this way, probably. But anyway, Brian Dayball and not Brian Flores is who Bill Belichick was talking about. And so now we got a lawsuit on our hands. We'll see what happens there. But really uh, that's the overview. We'll give you that. We can't speak on legal matters, but we can speak on Jim Harbaugh potentially going to the Minnesota Vikings and the Bill. You don't probably not too happy about this. 
No, I mean, uh, so at first, you know, there wasn't that much chatter about the Bears talking to Jim Harbaugh. Now, recently, there have been more reports saying the Bears did reach out to Jim Harbaugh and Jim wanted a John Gruden-esque deal, like 10 years, 100 million, and the Bears weren't going to do that. Um, so Minnesota getting Jim Harbaugh is, it kind of hurts, but I can see it definitely happening. Uh, the GM that Minnesota got is the guy that Jim Harbaugh did work with in um in San Francisco for a little bit. I think they had had a connection in San Francisco. Um, the other thing is, uh, you know, he's going to get a 10 year, hundred million dollar contract, which would be crazy. But the other part is where Jim Harbaugh goes, most likely Vic Fangio will follow. Okay. So you may be seeing a Vic Fangio, Jim Harbaugh reunion in Minnesota. I don't know who his OC would be, but you know, Jim always picks his coaching staff very well. So it's going to be very interesting, interesting to see. Um, and then also, you know, I want to see what happens with the quarterback situation, you know, before Alex Smith went to Kansas City and, you know, took the next step. Everyone has to remember that Jim Harbaugh was the one that actually took the bus label off of Alex Smith and actually made him a better quarterback. And then he was finally traded to Kansas City once Colin Kaepernick came in and started looking like the next big thing before that kind of, you know, took a different turn. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, was like. They're going to be out for revenge. I'm sure I just like the Jim Harbaugh thing is still a little perplexing to me just because like, I mean, yes, he had great success in San Francisco. He hasn't won seven NFL games in a row within the last season, like a Brian Flores did, but Jim Harbaugh did also get destroyed by Ohio state six out of seven years that he was a head coach there. And I mean, Georgia in the most recent game that he coached. I, I mean, I, I, I will say Jim Harbaugh did go to a Super Bowl, So like he is a good coach. I mean, well, yeah, but so did Dan Quinn went to the Super Bowl, right? And Dan Quinn was in the hiring cycle. He just decided not to take the job. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just saying like, I'm not denying that Jim Harbaugh is a good coach. I just well, then what I are you saying? No, no, then what are you saying? Because you make that's what you make it sound like. Okay, well, in that case, I mean, and you probably know the answer to this, and we'll move on. But uh, how many first round picks has Michigan had in the last like five years since Jim Harbaugh has been there? And or if not first round picks, how many elite players have come out of his program in the last like five years? Uh, the one guy from the Browns, Jabril Peppers, maybe. That's about it. I mean, I, I mean, I don't have that in front of me. I can't. I'm not. I don't have that data in front of me. I can yeah. look it up later. But okay. But again, what are you trying to prove? I don't. Oh, yeah. I don't so I don't. I mean, beyond well, beyond beyond the race thing that I think is if Brian Flores wants to make a case, I think this should be beyond that. I just don't think that Jim Harbaugh is a very good coach. I think he got like he got hot for a quick second in San Francisco. He had Kaepernick, who was at his time like the the pre version of Patrick Mahomes, really. And, you know, at one point, and then since then, he hasn't been very good at Michigan. Like you say, fail up, he's failing up. And I don't think that that's necessarily warranted because he's failing, but he's still getting promoted. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't consider for, it failing. I mean, he, he's still a very good coach. He is, is he the best coach in college football? No. I mean, as Nick Saban, is he the second best coach in college football? No, that's uh, Dabo Sweeney. Keep going. Kirby Smart. He's like, he's a top 10 coach in college football, which is fine. And the thing is, that's where he's probably going to stay as a top 10 coach of college football. But in the NFL, that's a different animal. Maybe he maybe he's a better NFL coach than a college coach. So, I mean, have, haven't there haven't there been better NFL quarterbacks and college quarterbacks like Justin Herbert didn't look like a great quarterback in college, but he looks like an amazing quarterback in the NFL. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean and you know, I mean, Josh Allen, Josh Allen playing in Wyoming, he he wasn't a good, you know, in 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 terms of like college quarterback, he wasn't a top tier college quarterback. He was a first round pick though. Right, but but he but he didn't play in real college football, right? He played in the second division. Yeah, but the, clearly the pick, pick, clearly the talent is there. And, uh, okay, think- and, and clearly the talent is there with Jim Harbaugh. He's been to a Super Bowl. He is proven that he's a good coach in the NFL. So we'll find out. We'll find out. I mean, you better, you'll definitely find out because he might be going to Minnesota. So you guys are going to have your hands full if that happens. Right. I mean, but, but the thing is like, I'm, and, and the other thing, like, you know, um, I will say that, you know, Vikings did hire a minority GM as well. It, it's, it's not like, so, 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 you know, I, I'm not, I'm not here saying that like what Brian Flores is saying is wrong. You know, I'm sure that happened. I'm sure that does happen. And it is it is a very solid thing, and things do happen. Like there are a lot of times when you see certain interviews, and you're like, "Oh, that's just a Rooney, a right. Rooney rule interview," and and it's, it's it's blatantly obvious at times. Yeah, I mean, but it might I have been the case for Jim Caldwell. So guy, but I don't. Well, the, the Bears had a lot of minority interviews, so I wouldn't say that Jim you know, Caldwell. Saying, yeah, Jim Caldwell was in the running as a head coach for the Bears, um, but I will say that you know, the Minnesota Vikings interviewing Jim Harbaugh doesn't have anything to do with Brian Flores. They, yeah. they interviewed Brian Flores. They, they found, they may have, I don't know, but they found Jim Harbaugh and that's the person that they want. I don't think Brian Flores has anything to do with Jim Harbaugh. And I, and I okay, that's totally fair. And I don't necessarily disagree with you. I don't, to be honest, because I also think that the, the case that is allegedly being made might not be as strong as not this year and in other years, maybe because there was rumors about dude, he Flores and Tua did not get along at all. They ended up winning games, but they were not happy with each other. So like, yeah. right. I mean, that's that. I don't know if you want to say anything because I don't disagree with you about any of it. I mean, I just, other than Jim Harbaugh, we'll see, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Sorry. I was off screen for a second. <laughs> no, you're good. you're good. I thought you probably cussing me out behind your screen and like flicking me off. Oh no, I do that to your face. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. But then, um, Okay, so now let's talk about real football. Actual football is happening right now. Yeah. Grandpa Joe Burrow, is he the real deal? How real of a deal is he? Well, Grandpa Joe Burrow has always been the real deal. And also, I don't know, why are we calling him Grandpa Joe Burrow? I still he's older because he's, he's like an older rookie, quote unquote. He was an older rookie, so that's just the thing. He's not even, a, he's not even that old. He's not, I, don't think, I don't think he's even 25 yet. He's, I think he's just turned 25. Um, okay, fine. Grandpa Joe Burrow. Um, yeah, I mean, that was, an, that was an awesome game. I mean, that was a game of two halves, right? The first half, it looked like Mahomes was Mahomes went off. Mm-hmm. And then in the second half, like, uh, Mahomes just disappeared and Joe Burrow just took over. Um, I think, you know, there's a, always a 28 to three, like talks, but that was 25. to three. I mean, that's, that's pretty close to being that, you know, that same thing. Yeah. I mean, so anyway, I mean, he played a great game in the second half. I think, I think the thing about the two halves of football, I mean, like that game really was two halves, but I think you see what we saw on Sunday. I think you see it happen often, to be honest. Like how often can you protect a strong first half lead in the NFL? And like, regardless of the Falcons mishaps, how, I mean, how often do you see if a strong first half lead become a dominant closeout finish in the NFL. I mean, it's very rare to see that happen, right? Like you right. have to expect the other team, especially when you're playing elite competition. I mean, it's the NFL, but like we have Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Stafford, Ryan, whoever, whoever, Aaron Rodgers, 
these comebacks are going to happen in the second half, especially when you have defenses that somehow let Patrick Mahomes and still play like Patrick Mahomes run around and still play lights out and shut him down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that that was that was just a you know that comeback was all and you know of course Kansas City's defense is going to play a little soft you know when they have such a big lead, but then after a while you have to kind of think about okay when is it wise to play soft and when is it wise to go all out, um, so and, and you know it's not like we haven't seen this before with Kansas City I mean when Matt Nagy was uh, the head uh, the OC of Kansas City you know the same thing happened against Tennessee, but. You know, we got to kind of see what happens. And, you know, it, it probably hurts Kansas City right now, um, the way they lost that game. And, you know, you don't know how many more years you're going to have with, you know, being able to have Tyreek Hill and Kelsey, not only playing at an elite level, but being in, under contract. Right. So, you know, they have to take advantage of this. And, it, you know, it, it's unfortunate for Pat Mahomes that they lost, Patrick Mahomes that they lost that game. Um, but, you know, Joe Burrow, that, that, that that's uh that's a team on the rise you know him and jamar chase that's um that's a combination that's going to be deadly in the super bowl um not to mention that defense is very timely you know bj hill i think that's the guy who picked off patrick mahomes the nose tackle um you know i mean what what an an outstanding play that was because that was in the first half of the game and that enabled the door to stay open for yeah. to some degree, right? I mean, like it wasn't it was a tale of two halves, but really Cincinnati bent, but they didn't break because twenty plus points is kind of what you expect to give up in a game like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. Um, and I was gonna say too, like the thing with Patrick Mahomes and in the book, I know we've gone back and forth about this, and I and I am crazy. Because I would say that, oh, Mahomes isn't the best, da 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 He's very good. There's no doubt about it. He's very good. He is elite. He is next generation. He's already proven that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL without question. Uh, however, you did see some of his youth and, not, and, and lack of discipline show up in that game. So, for example, uh, the not taking the points before halftime. That was literally the game right there, right? I mean, like, had they just taken the three points before halftime, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have been kicking the field goal to go into overtime at the end of the game. Worst case scenario, they would have been playing to win, right? Yeah, uh, and that's assuming that everything else happened the way that it would have after that, right? And so the only thing that changes is those three points coming on the board. That I mean, proved to be costly for Kansas City. Unfortunately, one. Two, um, he the running around is great, and the fact that Cincinnati let him do it was kind of astonishing because that's how he breaks people's back. But there are times where like the pocket was not collapsing or breaking down around him; he just scattered, and he ran because it's his tendency to run. And so, like once he gets looks at the tape this offseason and comes back better next year. He'll be like, oh, I actually have a lot more time in the pocket than I feel like I do. Let me stand here and make a solid foundational throw versus trying to be the miracle man, which is how you get sacked on third and two at the end of the game. And you make your fourth and two even harder, right? And like the play of overtime where you got the ball back or at the end of the game, that's enabled you to kick the field goal. He still got them in field goal position, got them to overtime. He threw the bad pick in overtime too. I mean, he targeted double coverage on that. Not a great throw. Great play. It was kind of a fluke play, I think, because it did bounce off one guy and into the other maybe. But like, that's what happens when you throw it into double coverage. So like things like that, I think Patrick Mahomes um, 
it's scary because he's good and he can still be better. Like working yeah. with mechanic. Because that throw that he made to Tyreek Hill, the first touchdown of the game was outstanding. Outstanding the bill. However, it was a sidearm throw. If you watch it closely on the replay, it was a sidearm throw. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, well, Mahomes is infamous for doing that. I mean, I don't think his mechanics are going to be cleaned up because half of the stuff that Mahomes does is mechanically wrong, but he's capable of doing it. Yeah, he's capable of doing it. And and there's no denying that, like, they are going to need him. That's why you paid him as much as you did, because he can do stuff like that. However, if the pocket isn't collapsing, you don't have to run around and make a, a you know, a wild throw. You just stand there, make a boom, pull it and and make it happen. So I think, I mean, I think all that stuff, like, even if he's not mechanically sound, he can benefit from being more disciplined and then obviously being more strategic by taking the points, stuff like that. He can only get better. It's crazy. I mean, so uh, I'm not going to say that, you know, Mahomes needs to do A, B or C because the thing is, I don't have, I don't know the knowledge of, if that is what he's doing. I, I don't know. I can't look at what he did and know what he did right or wrong because I just don't know. But what I do know is that, you know, he is going to improve. He is, he is very good, but I know that in the second half of the game, Joe Burrow outplayed him. And that's, yeah. that's essentially what happened. Joe Burrow outplayed him. Mahomes did not play a very good second half. And that just simply that's, that's what happened in the game. Right. And so, again, is some of the improvement for Patrick Mahomes, does that prevent something like that from happening? I mean, we'll find out, you know, also, like you said, the contract thing becomes a big deal. It's great that he got paid, but when you take up that much money for one player, then it you're the rest of your roster suffers. Right. And like, you know, I mean, but but that's also where Brett Beach comes and makes his money. You know, Brett Beach or GM, that's the person that set the team up, you know, with Patrick Mahomes. He's the one who found Mahomes uh, per se. Um, And then after that, they kind of scouted him and then Andy Reid gave the final yes on him. But Brett Beach was the guy who supposedly found him his freshman year in Texas Tech and said, this guy is going to be the next quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. And it's up to him now to be able to, you know, find the next weapon, find the Again, find the yeah. next Tyreek Hill, find the next guy to be able to make sure the team moves forward and, you know, is able to continue growing with Mahomes. Yeah. And, and of course, I mean, that's why he does the job and it's, it's going to be hard because you do have to find the next Kelsey. Probably you have to define it. And there probably isn't a next Kelsey and the next Tyreek Hill. I mean, those guys are also outstanding. There might be another Nicole Hardman who I could have bet $1 on, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I would have won 17 if I would just pulled the trigger on $1, but we don't have to talk about that. And um, yeah, big contracts. Brady always took a lesser contract and I guess theoretically it paid off. So we'll see. We got to move fast. I mean, Tom Brady didn't, didn't retire. Joe Burrow's pretty damn good. He's going to play Matt Stafford in the Super Bowl. And Matt Stafford had a great set. I mean, he, he had a whole game. Whereas Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. had a great like first half, I guess. you could Right. Say. Right. Yeah, I, I think I went um, 0-2 in predictions last week because I think I had a Kansas City-San uh, Francisco Super Bowl. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, the Rams, you know, they outplayed them. You know, the, I don't think Sean McVay coached a very good game. You know, he used all of his timeouts, you know, going into like eight minutes into the fourth quarter. He used yeah, both of his two challenges. two of them were on challenges. Yeah. Right. So, I don't think Sean McVay coached a very good game. But, you know, Matt Stafford, you know, kind of saved the day and – kept kept them alive uh you know going in you know Aaron Donald's in the Super Bowl again 
you know, it'd be good to see, you know, what happens. You know, what's interesting is um, Andrew Whitworth, the left tackle for the Rams, is actually going up against uh, his former team, the Bengals. So that's a very interesting thing. Um, and I think after the game happened, I tweeted out that this is potentially the first time two number one picks are playing in the Super Bowl. And I was wrong, you know, because it was actually Peyton Manning versus Cam Newton that you found that's that was the first time it happened. So this is the second time two number one picks are playing in the Super Bowl. So that's very interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to loop that I was wrong like a lot. You know, at least like a couple. Hey, hey when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh yeah. Well, I mean, I've only heard it like once or twice, but you know, it's all good. I'm not wrong that often, that means. There you go. Well, there you go. But you were wrong about those predictions. So that was the second time I heard it. And so, yeah, I mean, when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I say it, I'm wrong. Hey, you're a man of your word. And uh, we appreciate that here on the show. Um, I think with, with Sean McVay, it's crazy because he didn't coach a good game. However, Kyle Shanahan arguably coached the worst game because he once again let another 10 point lead dissipate and he blew a championship slash playoff game with a big lead. Is it a Kyle Shanahan problem or we're like, what? I mean, it has to be a Kyle Shanahan problem, right? Or no, because he said allegedly, uh, reportedly, reportedly that he did not think about going for it on fourth and two. And instead that's when they took the delay of game and punted the ball, which I think is like terrible coaching because I was fully, I wanted the Rams to win that game. I'm happy they won. I want them to win the Super Bowl. We'll talk about that later next week. But in terms of they lined up for fourth and two, and I said, dude, all they have to do is like pitch it to Debo here. And it's probably not even going to be a first down. It's going to be the backbreaking touchdown. And it will show you that like, okay, this guy has McVay's number. He kind of just literally kicked the game away because then um, the Rams eventually came back, right? And they won. And what I did see from the Rams that I thought was really good, that shows me why they're the team that's going to the Super Bowl this year. And you know, I'll say my prediction for next week, but uh, Jalen Ramsey dropped the pick at the end of the game. You know, when, when San Francisco was trying to move the ball on fourth down or whatever, Jalen Ramsey dropped the pick and Cooper Cup went over to him, you know, and he said, Hey man, don't worry. We got the ball back. Like it's all like you dropped the pick. He was Jalen Ramsey was set and Cooper Cup, an offensive player went over to him and be like, bro, don't worry about it. We got this. And what does Cooper Cup do? He eventually makes the catch that sealed the game. A great throw and catch by Stafford and Cup, who've been lights out. You talk about Burrow and Chase, Cup and Stafford have also been just as good. I mean, maybe not numbers wise, but connection wise, they're on it, man. Uh, numbers wise, they might be better. This, you know, this year, Cup led led the league in I think touchdowns and then um right and uh, uh, yards. So you know, they might be better. But like you know, the the Chase uh, Burrow is more for the future. Cup and um, Stafford more for the present. But yeah. Right. And if they got a couple of good years left, but if they could win this year, then the next few years look really, really good. We'll also just say that Sean McVay went to the Super Bowl. Like he said, good to see the Rams back, possibly get revenge. What's interesting is like, will Matt Stafford be the one who puts them over the top? Because the last time they were there, they only got three points in the Super Bowl. Their defense played a pretty good game. They only gave up like 13 or 16 points. And yeah, they- there was one touchdown that was going to given up to Gronk last time. So I think the final score was like 13 to three or something. Yeah, 13 to three. And it was not a touchdown to Gronk. It was a long play over the top to Gronk, the one big catch. And then Sonny Michelle had the touchdown. From- oh, okay, my, my apologies. That was, the, that, and that was the Super Bowl in Atlanta, I believe. Yep, it sure was. And so the Rams were here. They And now they're playing at home. 
for the Super Bowl. That's the other element. Yeah, second time that happened in back-to-back years. Back-to-back years. So uh, a lot of stuff is happening. We'll do a quick Super Bowl preview next week, or maybe we'll go on Instagram Live. No predictions. I'll say that R- Roman Reigns did not win the World Rumble. The Rock did not show up. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Hey, Shane McMahon got released from his WWE contract. Is he yeah, going to the see. AEW? Asif, mean, give me your quick breakdown. Yeah, no, we'll see what happens because Shane O'Mac, could he go to work for Tony Khan? Maybe Shane O'Mac has just taken the, the lump sum retirement check. I don't know. Who? Kn- I mean, it's it's family business, bro. It's all good. It's all in the family still. I don't know. Uh, I see Shane. I see Shane O'Mac going to, uh, to AEW and doing his little elbow drop. Well, that's, that's all I know about wrestling. Yeah, well, wrestling is a is it theater? Is it art? Is it fake? Is it real? Re- there's there's nothing like professional wrestling, my friend. Literally nothing. So um, yeah, there is. There's a lot of things like professional wrestling. Now, as a wrestling fan, I can tell you that that's wrong. But uh, anyway, acting. There you go. So, but but it's wrestling. It's not acting. It's wrestling. It's it's different. But. Um, yeah, man. Well, we'll talk about all that and more next week on at Bears, Birds, and Bruises. Follow us on Instagram at Bears, Birds, and Bruises. See ya. Sorry.